Welcome to another episode of Power Move Makers. This series was created with a simple goal in mind, to bring to the table high-level executives, successful entrepreneurs, and just all-around inspiring human beings. Not just focusing on their success, but more important, shining a spotlight on the road they traveled to get there. Now, this week's guest, I, you know, I have the pleasure of calling him a dear friend, um, somebody who has been a constant in my life over the last 20 plus years. He is the man behind the man. He is somebody that you might not know his name, but you are all too familiar with the businesses and the people he's been behind and just built up from scratch. I like to have these types of conversations because he is a brand architect. He is someone who understands the art of deal making, but more important, the art of relationships. Please welcome to this week's Power Move Maker series, Mr. Phil Robinson. Philly Rob, what up? Yo, what up, Press? How you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yo, Phil, I'm going to tell you something. When I started this series, I never thought I'd have you on the show. I mean, you are the man behind the man. And I was surprised when you actually said, yes, I'll do an interview. Like I'm so used to you being in the background and you being that puppet master. So I gotta thank you just for agreeing to this interview. I know it's rare. It's something that you don't normally do. So again, welcome to the series. And I know you're gonna kill it. You're gonna really educate and just empower our community. So thanks a lot for being here. Uh, man, thank you, Sean, for having me. Um, and as you said, uh, I normally uh, don't do interviews um, because I'm not only the man uh, behind the man, but I like to be the quiet man behind the man. I have always had the goal that um, as the Lord started blessing me with success, uh, my desire uh, in a joking way is to be the richest man nobody knows. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, Phil. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You have had uh, an enormous amount of success in your life. You've had in incredible experiences, incredible adventures, but you started from humble beginnings. So I'd like to take it back and I do this for a reason. Uh, our audiences are, my audience, it's made up of success seekers, people who want to, to go to the next level in their career, want to build businesses, want to build empires. You're an empire builder. But the good thing about you is it started off at humble beginnings. You didn't, you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. So can you take me back to the beginning? You know, where were you born and raised? Tell me a little bit about your parents and your upbringing, if you don't mind. Um, well, unfortunately, uh, both of my parents are deceased um, from an early age. Um, and I was raised anyhow by my grandmother. So um, those parents were kind of uh, in and out uh, of my life uh, in visits and things like that. So, but I had a stable, um, good upbringing by my grandmother who always had uh, a, a saying to lend to you, um, got her guns, baby, got her guns. <laughs> um, so uh, even though I, I uh, kept, I a toe into um, what was happening around me. Um, I was at church seven days a week, <laughs> um, you know, from three times on Sunday 
uh, Bible study, whatever it is. So I had a, a strong and solid uh, upbringing uh, from my grandmother. Um, and all of my cousins, uh, this is a funny story, all of my cousins could preach, <laughs> sing, or play an instrument. And I used to be like, uh, like the little kid, like, yo, I can't, like, I can't play drums. I love the drums. I, um, I was never a, a good speaker, but I was, uh, I learned that I was a good teacher because I could read something and then tell you like what, what it meant or whatever the case may be. Um, and my grandmother always being, um, one trying to find the positive and raising me would be like, um, well, honey, you know, your job is just to serve them, you know, help your cousins out, like, you know, make make a way for them to uh, move the equipment or, you know, get the money, collect the offering or whatever in church terms. But not knowing then that she was preparing me for uh, the gift that God would give me. And that's what a manager is. Service to the client, you know, making sure everything is done right. Um, and also it taught me that, um, when I got to the level to work with, uh, a puff that, um, I didn't have to be able to sing. I didn't have to be able to play an instrument or as he would say, don't worry if I write rhymes, I write check. Um, and so in those days, I could look back on that upbringing that it was just service to the people who had the gift. Um, and then able to find something outside of that. So I had a cousin that was, a, when I was young, he was a great choir director. And so I would be like, yo, we should, you know, talk to the Tri-City Mass Choir or something. Always trying to get him, you know, outside of the, the church that we got when I was in my uh, early team. But it was preparing me for the success that uh, God was going to give me. And, you know, I never realized it. Um, until about 10 years ago. And it was like, wow, God knew what he was doing back then uh, in, in the preparation phase. But it was very important to be continually faithful that I would uh, be able to succeed. I would be able to change my life. But all of us, me, you, basketball players, artists, whatever you are, especially young black men um, and brown men too, um, you, your whole life is not just about your success. It's about going back and take care of mom, grandma. Like my whole goal is about building my grandmother a, a new house, something she, or, or, or getting her to fly apartment, whatever it was that I could finally say, yo, look what I did for you. Um, and that's when you work your hardest, when you're trying to reach a goal that you not only set for yourself, but you set for other people around you, those that you love. Um, so that was uh, uh, very important in my upbringing. Um, and ironically, three days ago, um, I got a telephone call and I didn't recognize the number. And most times I won't even like answer those calls or um, I let them go to voicemail. And if you really want to talk to me, um, you'll leave a message and I can identify who it is and then I can return the call. If not, you don't want me to know who it is. And so there's no need for me to return the call. But um, I called the number back. And as soon as the person started talking, yo, what's up? I was like, oh, what's up, Biv? 
I automatically knew it was Michael Bivens. Yeah. Who, uh, this is three days ago. Um, and uh, I was like, um, hey, how you doing, man? Whatever. And he, he just uh, began to like, um, yo, what are you doing? This, that, and the third. And then I was like, uh, like, what made you just call me? He's like, yo, did you send me an email by accident uh, uh, like a week or two ago? And I was like, nah, like, you know, I didn't uh, send you that. And uh, then he read me the email and it was so weird. Um, but yet, um, you know, I don't believe in, that God makes mistakes or, you know, things are uh, by happenstance. But it was an uh, email from somebody at the NBA to one of my business partners who also used the beginning of the email as Mike B. Not Mike B, the stylist that we know, but uh, my business partner and another business. And the NBA lady, um, I don't know how, but um, sent it to like the Mike B I was in business with. But when I replied, I hit Bivens. I'm sure that was what happened. Um, and so he was like, yo, I'm amazed at every time uh, I speak to you, you're somewhere else doing something bigger or better. Um, and the reason that that is pertinent is I uh, was spending uh, my young teens with Dougie Fresh in Harlem. And uh, Dougie Fresh was like, yo, man, I got these kids <laughs> coming down or, uh, you know, they, they from um, Boston and, you know, they want to get on to Doug at the time, you know, used to have your bodies on, you know, that uh, line in one of his raps. And the kids wanted to get bodies. So they, they needed to go to uh, a store on 125th Street. And basically, uh, when they got there, Doug wasn't around. And I had to take them to A.J. Lester up on 125th Street. And... At that time, AJ carried all the colors like mustard, brown, green. And the only people who were rocking them were um, Doug, Cool Mo D, and um, uh, damn, he, gonna, he would kill me. <laughs> um, um, damn. Anyways, uh, I'm, uh, it's killing me that I can't remember the name right now, but we'll come back to it. But, anyways, it ended up being New Edition. And they wanted a color of, of Bali to match every one of the suit changes that they would have in the during the tour. And we became so cool, me and Biv, that um, when he came to uh, Washington, D.C., where an aunt of mine lived, uh, I was uh, backstage at the Capitol Center. And that night, Biv was like, yo, you always making sure we fly. You, you know, really taught me about Harlem. Uh, you know, like, you want to go to California? That and I was like, I'm, I'm backstage at a concert. Like, what, 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 what do you mean? Yo, go get a bag, meet me at the hotel, this hotel, and we gonna go on tour. Literally, you're I tell, packed- You're telling me it was that simple? Uh, I'm telling you that over uh, a couple of months of, you know, telephone conversations and like finding clothes for them and doing little things, uh, hustle moves um, for them, and Doug giving me that platform um, that within three months, four months at the most, when they played DC. So I, I had already come from 
New York, then they played Philly, then they played uh, Virginia, and then came back to DC, something like that. And so when he was like, yeah, like you can be my assistant. Um, I went home and got a duffel bag and I never looked back. Um, hey, Phil, literally. can we stop there for one second? Because we're getting deep into your story and I just want, I want to go backwards. Right at the beginning. To all my movers, if you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment, and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, share it. Now back to the video. So I get your upbringing. Your grandmother brings you up. Where are you living? What state? Um, at that time, um, I was really like bouncing um, around. So I live with my grandmother, but I'd go stay with a, a cousin or go stay with a uh, uncle or whatever. Like I, um, because like I said, my parents had died at a young age. I was able to bounce around and um, be, be in different areas all the time. Like wherever was there was something going on that I could tie myself in at a young age, that's where I would be at. Okay. And, and, and I'm going to bring this thing up for a second, but I just want to get some things out the way. Any brothers or sisters, biological? Um, yeah, I'm, My parents had other children, but I didn't have a relationship with them. I was a, like my grandmother's only child. Okay. Phil, you just brought us through several periods of your life. You are born and raised in the church. Your grandmother raises you she obviously had the biggest influence on you as a child. Right. How does Phil get to New York and even get in any type of relationship with a Dougie Fresh? Dougie Fresh, you know, at one point out, he, he's the hottest thing going. He is Mr. Harlem. How does that relationship get established? And I really want to establish like, when, because it, it goes to what I know about you. Your ability to get into rooms, your ability to get people to know your name and establish real relationships with people, it's uncanny. It's, it's so by, that, by that time, um, I, I was living with an aunt in um, Washington, D.C. for uh, a while. And so Doug uh, was coming to D.C. like in the beginning of Lottie Dottie. Um, and doing those like one-off shows coming in a van. Um, and he was being driven by a guy that I became cool with named Romero, who is now Jay-Z's driver um, of, and in charge of Jay's fleet. Uh, and, but at those days, he had a little van company that would you know, bring Dougie Fresh, bring Cool Modi, you know, different people to uh, these local concerts. And I met Doug at one of the concerts and he was like, yo, you know, like, we gonna go back to, you know, Harlem, you, you wanna go stay with, you know, your relatives there. And so then that that was my kind of uh, introduction to uh, like really uh, becoming um, an adopted son of, of Harlem and a Harlemite, so to speak. Um, but again, Doug was uh, still uh, living in his mother, an apartment that he had uh, built in his mother's brownstone. So we were sort of coming up together. It was the first time I met Puff, and I didn't even like know him at that time. He was uh, a dancer for Doug. So it was like the relationships kind of bounced and touched, but they were seeds being planted for later on in life. 
because I didn't see Puff again too. Years later, um, when we both were at um, in Washington D.C. at Howard University, when he really like first talked to me about business, like, "Yo, homeboy, you got all the relationship with them, them dudes. You know, um, I, I could we make us some money with this, and we could throw parties, and you know, it, it was a, a, a relationship where again, I'm just being cool, but he identified the service in me, or the dot connecting, so to speak, in me." What I try to do, Press, in every step of my life since my grandmother was always like, remember the dots, remember the, the point uh, about somebody, whatever their specialty was. Here, me and you are 25 years later, and I still go back to, like, yo, he was the creator of the bad boy street team. He is this, he is that. And then I relate it to how it could be a political campaign, how it can be a a major artist, a major athlete, I, I can now take the dots that I've picked up from you over the years and put them together as a puzzle and then explain that to the new person that we're doing. So is this something that for you, is it a natural gift or is it something that you were intentional about early in your career, early in your life to, um, to, to be more specific? Um, no, you know, uh, again, being like the only uh, child growing up with my grandmother, she taught me everything without, I don't, it, was, it wasn't her goal, but she didn't want me to be ever at the mercy of, of anybody else if something happened to her. Taught me how to sew, taught me how to, you know, uh, go pick a chicken out at a market, you know, and make sure I don't have feathers in it or go, uh, you know, this is how you tell if a fish is good. You know, if the head is rotten, everything's rotten. You know, one of those things that I had to begin to remember those things as she got older, remembering phone numbers, remembering friends. So then when I would start as what I didn't even know was a business, um, I would develop the idea of being able to have a, not as good as people with photographic memory, but oh, how this could plug into that sort of a, a kind of memory that really served me um, well as God began to put the pieces of my puzzle together. And yeah, I have a saying, for instance, um, you know, uh, one of Puss' most successful ventures is Ciroc. Uh, you, having grown up with me at Bad Boy, know a lot of things come in and out of his uh, atmosphere. So people will tell you, oh, well, I brought Ciroc to him, and I did this, and I did that. You have lawyers, you have hanger-ons, you have everybody that did something with Ciroc. So, you know, I'm, I'm cool to be quiet because the most important thing is I know where the, the seed is buried of Syrah. And you do too, because we initially got a relationship with Diageo from Crown Royal when we had Bad Boys of Comedy. So right. none of those people that really claim all of this stuff from the success of Syrah were there when we did the Crown Royal campaign and we put Mr. C in the purple bag with the white strings that Randy Bazelli made from us from being a tour uh, promoter. And that when we gave the uh, gifts away to the people that won, it was we crowned them instead of them winning Crown Royal. Dougie Fresh, who me and Puff both had early, early relationships with, was our MC. So we would have Doug crown them. You know, they don't know all of those seeds that were buried and then we were warring them with different things that ultimately led to Diageo saying, yo, we want to be a partner, come up here. So 
you you have to be careful to always know when a seed is placed in your lap um, and how you're going to water it, how you're going to put, you know, um, nourishment around them. You, uh, I heard Steve Harvey say one time, you know, you can get a seed and put dirt on it and nothing ain't going to happen because you're just constantly not taking care of it and, and throwing bad at it. Or you can get soil that has nutrients and put it on that seed. And that is good, you know, reputation. That is good follow through. That is good taking care of that seed and that blessing so that as it turns into the tree of Sirach, you've got roots in that thing. So uh, as I go, again, you know, these are things that I just learned and kind of put them together when they're necessary so that I can have the outcome that we are pursuing. Okay. I want to go backwards again for a second. You came up. I don't want to go back too much, though. You know, uh, we've been turned into a pillar of salt. No, because <laughs> I want to establish something in this story. Yeah, so, but you, you, my, I got a real policy about don't look back and pick up that luggage. Wonderful. You, 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 you brought up. Obviously, uh, a woman of faith raised you. Yes. I know you had a stint in the streets. Yes. And what I find so fascinating and remarkable about your story is you've done so much in the C-suites, but you also have a real backstory in the streets. So number one, how does a young man who was raised by a grandmother who poured nothing but the Lord into you get into the streets, and ultimately, where does that land you? Um, so um, it, the, everything that I'm saying now uh, mm -hmm. about the blessings also apply to um, the streets, right? So in the streets, um, I, I kept the, the good uh, that I, my grandmother brought into me, but I, that same spirit I had to the street guys. So for instance, I've always in some form worked in entertainment. So my initial entree to the streets as always was like selling front row seats and backstage passes and things to the dudes who uh, in the street. So there you meet other celebrities, there you meet the athlete of that community or the high roller of that community. And you begin to get those relationships um, from a good point, you know, you're not necessarily doing street work, as they say, um, or putting in work as they we when I was growing up. But uh, I began to see that um, I, I was building a, a strong a relationship or Rolodex in the street. So, you know, guy in uh, D.C. Uh, had a good time with his wife and that he, he'll hit me and be like, yo, my man in Richmond wanted to buy them tickets. My man in Ohio wanted to buy them tickets. So now I know all the street guys from, again, New York to California from, you know, a relationship that was strong, but good. Because I didn't have to hustle or do the things that they did, um, but I took care of them. I serviced them, made sure they had a good time. If you bought tickets for me, I'm checking on you. I'm making sure you're good. I make sure you get to meet somebody if that's what you want. Those type of things. So I build those relationships. But now remember, I had established a relationship in New York with Doug from the beginning. So automatically, um, 
you know, my friends uh, from Haiti and uh, different places uh, began, we, we had a, like a brotherhood bond, even though other people were fearful of them or had a negativity, they, they were like, you know, brothers to me. So I could bring them into the place and then somebody would be like, yo, how Jack get in here? And I'm like, it's my brother, my cousin. We good, you know, like, don't worry about it. We have that relationship. He's here with me and we, you know, came to have a good time. You know, no problems. But if you want to make one, there could be one. Um, so I was able to always like uh, work both sides of the fence like that. But as people in the street took more trust, they gave me more responsibility and uh, a greater access to the streets. Um, and unfortunately, uh, while I was trying to play both roles, um, I got caught up in a, a RICO conspiracy. Um, and you know how RICOs work. Everybody's in trouble. If two people are uh, commit or know of a crime without uh, calling the police or telling on anybody or whatever the case may be, you're guilty. So um, that uh, led me to have a stronger bond with them because I'm going to just go do my time and come home because I benefited greatly from like, you know, where else was I gonna make that kind of money? You know, sometimes 30, 40 grand a week, you know, um, just from having relationships and uh, a great mind and ability on how to make things work. How much time nice, did you ultimately- Nice way to put it. <laughs> how much time did you ultimately receive? Uh, five years. Okay, so you did the straight five years? Uh, well, you know, you get good time off and uh, I participate in uh, in a federal system drug program that cut off 11 months out of my time as well. Okay. So you come back home, you hit the streets, didn't tell on anybody, Phil's name is good. Obviously, that makes you even more uh, impressive and, and reliable to people in the streets. People can trust you. They know Phil Robinson, my information is good with him. He went, he did his time. You come yeah, back say, home. Though, I want to I put a point in because you said, like, you go do your time, you came home, and your name is good. Um, no matter what you do, and I, because your show is about um, making power moves and hustling, it's important that people always remember Prez. No matter what you do, there's going to be 10% uh, of the people who just don't like you, who got something to say, who bring up uh, something negative that they don't even know what they're talking about because we live in a world now of, of instant, you know, uh, success or media or whatever. And they, they you, so you're never gonna always be, your name is good, but if you can keep it 80% good, you good. That's very important because people give up when they hear, like, you know, they make a, uh, they hit a speed bump and then they, on the other side of the bump, they hear negativity they 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 kind of go into a hold or hide. Whereas at those times when I hit a bump uh, and I went away, when I came home, I didn't immediately seek to reestablish the relationship with the streets. I went back to what my what brought the streets to me, and that was my ability to work in entertainment to uh, do the skill that I know. So. Uh, one of the things is that I never talk about, but it's important that I put it in perspective because I don't want people to think that it's just that simple or easy. But in prison is just like a society that's just like outside. So um, there was a, a guy that worked in the library and I um, bartered with him 
uh, on a regular basis so that he would collect all of the articles about uh, Magic Johnson, a guy named T.D. Jakes, and another guy named uh, Deion Sanders that was Jakes's like um, uh, son in their ministry at that time. So by the time I came home, I knew I had a little relationship with Magic Johnson from uh, before going away um, and him coming to so many of the Eddie Murphy Raw Tour dates that when I came home, I wanted to know about everything that he was doing. And within a month or two of being home, uh, the Lord made it a way for me to meet Magic Johnson again. You know, I wanted to to establish that part of your life because there, there, there's this uh, Donnie McClurkin song I, I'm sure you are familiar with. We fall down, but we get up. Yes. And um, for anybody who's watching this in video form, who's listening to this in podcast form on one of the streaming services, it's important for you to listen to Phil's story and understand you can hit rock bottom. You can make mistakes. Your life doesn't always need to go without incident. Sunshine and flowers. I mean, we, we never, you're not gonna have that every day. You're not. You know, or otherwise you're not human. You, you might as well just go on to heaven. Don't pass, <laughs> you know, don't stop. Just keep, you know, keep moving, you, you good. Nobody that we know is that way. N nobody around you um, has not had bumps that they have not overcome. And nobody in their life has had a bump that doesn't in some way seem to follow you. You know, no matter how successful I am, somebody will always, you know, bring up the fact that I, I went to prison for something else. I've been told, you know, that you, I went for, you know, all types of reasons that I'm like, wow, amazed. Um, so people are going to bring up those negativities. Um, and I, I don't uh, have uh, a lot um, to say about those days, but I have to like reinforce that even though people see or, or speak or do negativity as you are, are seeing your rise, it is important that you don't look back, that you don't pick up that luggage. Because guess what? Since that day, Magic Johnson is my man. We we I, I've had bumps with him. I've had no stop you know, stop 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 there, Phil. Because you you, you you while you were in prison, you mentioned um, you asked a guy who worked in the library to save articles of three people because you needed to keep yourself current on what Magic Johnson was doing. Uh, who, who who were the other two that you mentioned? T.D. Jakes. And Deion Sanders. And Deion Sanders. This is, again, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You, by all intents and purposes, you're away from the world. Yeah, and but you, you found a way to keep yourself abreast. And this goes to one of the things that I admire about you. It's, it's always strategy. It's always intentional. You somehow even under the worst circumstances, doing time, made it your business. I'm gonna to continue to learn. I'm gonna to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to position myself. Even though I'm in this position now, I'm gonna position myself so when I get out of here, I can hit the ground running. 
And I love that because people give themselves too many excuses too often not to continue to move forward, even if they can't move forward in the way that they think that they should. So that's great. You come out, you get you get released. But well, I want to make a point on that, though. Go ahead. Because um, while, though, uh, I was doing that, I kept the goal of, although now she had now passed away, I wanted to make my grandmother proud. Like, I'm going to, you know, I made a mistake. You're, you're, you're still looking down on me. And I want to make you proud uh, just as much as I disappointed you by being here. Gotcha. So you got to keep and that's like, so admirable. Yeah, you got to keep the 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 good in it because the other thing is like regardless if you're doing thirty days or thirty years, your mind can't be um, in the streets if you're in the walls. As a saying that they have in prison, if you're worrying about what the, the girl is doing, your buddies is doing, and all that stuff on the street your time is going to be harder because you're not paying attention to what's going on in the walls. Whether that's the walls of the prison or the walls of the mind that you have built up. Absolutely. Phil, you said that you followed Magic's career while you were on the inside. Then you said God blessed you to connect with him. How does that happen? Um, You know, I, I'm going to uh, definitely... Uh, leave it at that because, Pres, you know, I've told you many times I, I could be like extremely rich on a book, on movie deals, on television that I've been offered after I was successful. Um, but uh, Magic Johnson is still alive, well, and uh, doing well with me. So I don't want to speak on uh, anything about uh, his life but the goodness that we have been able to partake together. Okay. You and Magic, I know you have had a long-standing career with Magic Johnson over the years. Do you go from working with Magic Johnson directly to working with Puff? Or do you have another client somewhere in the middle of that? I know I go directly. Um, again, another, uh, another blessed but crazy story is that um, and me and Magic were, were having a disagreement um, at that time, and I, I was, I went and had a meeting at an agency that, at the time, felt like too many uh, of these new management companies were popping up and taking their business away. Um, by like now, the management company has a booking department, has a things that agents did. So I was meeting with them about starting a management arm of an agency, um, and. Puff was coming from the, a meeting with the, the chairman of the agency. And we met uh, uh, again that day, uh, you know, having had the relationship of Howard, Dougie Fresh, and all of those types of things and the success that I was having with Magic. Um, and we had a conversation uh, right then and on the, on the, on the uh, cusp. And again, the Lord, uh, Blessed because it couldn't happen no other way. And two days later, I was Puff's manager. Are you serious? That that ass. He was moving to L.A. And at the time, Magic was the king of L.A. So me and Norma were immediately, I mean, we, we knew each other from the Andre Harrell days and things like that. But we were immediately, two days later, looking for a house for Puff to uh, get in, in, in Beverly Hills. Okay, I once heard Puff mention 
that you were the best manager he's ever had. And what is it that you think that a manager of people need to bring to the table? Because Puff is, you know, I've worked with Puff for 20 plus years of my life. He's different. He's A-list, he's demanding. He's all of the things that you would expect someone of his caliber to be. But you not only kept up with him, you were able to bring deals to the table and I watched him trust you. And Puff doesn't trust a lot of people. He would literally be in meetings, do what Puff does, hand it to my manager, Phil. He can take it from here. And he had the confidence that you could bring it home. Can you give me some traits that anybody who is not just a manager of talent, but a manager of people, if they work at a regular corporation and they're heading a team, what are some great traits that they need to have to win the confidence of their superiors? Well, um, what comes to mind now um, are two things. So um, I'm sure many people have now um, saw The Black Godfather, Clarence Avon. And I met him also uh, early on uh, with my magic uh, job and um, with uh, one of my other uh, bosses to be after Puff, L.A. Reed. And I, I was with Clarence one time and I remember him saying like, you go into the room or as uh, Mr. Robinson or, you know, L.A.'s guy, but you leave the room as Phil. Very important. I don't care who takes you into a room, make sure that by time you leave the room, you've established some relationship with somebody important in that room to, uh, to remember you by in a good way to, to, you know, glean something out of, not just glean something out of the meeting, but make sure they know who you are by time you leave. So I apply that a lot. Um, but also um, with Puff, what, what we built up was, like you said, trust. Um, I don't, growing up as the church kid that my grandmother raised, I don't, I, I just never had the taste for drinking. Um, I didn't smoke or uh, do drugs or any of that type of stuff. And by now, I, I was having more success than I could have ever imagined. So I had no reason to take anything. Me and Puff had a, a definitely a give and take relationship. And I believe uh, to this day, if, if he needed me, you know, he knows that um, I would be there. Um, and he used to tell me all the time, like if something happened to me, like he said it on national TV one day, this is the guy I would want to take care of my children. So I always try to keep that uh, relationship with him. And, but he also, as he began to trust me more and began to enjoy the relationship that uh, I was delivering as a manager, he would, you know, impart things in me. Uh, like, you know, like, now do it like this, playboy. Or, you know, like, uh, or tell me in advance, like he might go in and play bad cop and, you know, I need to play good cop and clean it up. So we the, we, we, we built a real trust and uh, it's important to never deviate from that. Like if you go into something and you faking or you acting or whatever the case may be, at some point you're not going to remember 
uh, what you uh, were acting and what you know really took place, and you're going to get jammed up. Um, so uh, Puff, and you know he's that type of dude. He's going to test you on a regular basis. So I always um, tried to be prepared ahead of time for whatever it would be. And then I was talking to uh, Rocio uh, a couple of months ago or whatever, and something had hit me. Like you know, people are always telling you in these like seminars and in these this and that, like, you know, the best and most important thing, man, is know who you are, know what you gonna do, know this, know that, you know? But it, it hit me and I, I told her like, you know what's been one of the most important things that have been a uh, part of my success, our success? Know who you're not. Bingo. I have drilled that message home to my audience again and again and again. So happy you brought that up, but go ahead. So in the Puff relationship, um, I knew who I wasn't. So I made sure to identify and tap people um, that knew how to be that person that he wanted or that he needed in his life. And I also identified uh, great and strong relationships from um, the people that were uh, already around him that you needed to have a, a team to, to make it work. It was never always about me. I don't care if I don't get the credit ever. Just spell my name right uh, when you do that wire. And it was always important to me. So in those days, I wouldn't have been able to do it without a Norma, a Tracy, or you, or Derek, you know, like Jamil. All of those people had different roles to make the puff machine move. Jeff Tweedy, um, you know, it was uh, me and Norma that realized that, you know, puff want to touch everything. So rather than us letting him dictate to us when, what he's going to touch, let's kind of put a, 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 a puff Bible together. So if, if we got five people around him and these are the things you're responsible for, Right. So because Puff will ask three different people, you'll get me a can of Coke to put on, you know, he puts it on his eye uh, to get when he got a brain freeze or a headache. But he'll ask three people. So you've got three people running around trying to find a, can, a cold can of Coke or beverage or whatever for him where we assign one person This is what you're in charge of. So if he asks any other other four for a can of Coke, you tell the person that's responsible. And I know what they're doing. If he asks for something about his kid's school or whatever. This person is responsible for that. So again, everybody reports into this person for that. So we began to organize the system ourselves. And the biggest, most important thing was um, with Puff, you had to learn how to create things outside of uh, the, the norm as far as his time. You know, because Puff is going 72 hours a day before he need a rest. Um, so it had to be, okay, what we're going to do is say, this time is for Jeff Tweedy and Sean John, where he can, you know, get with Dowie and approve this or get with, you know, the market and people to go do that. So we would set his time where all of those things came to him and they had their time to do it so that the, his time was better used than driving all over the city, stopping at Sean John, stopping at this place. Stop, you know, we, we kind of brought it all under two rules. Both back then it was uh, the bad boy offices and daddy's house. We try to coordinate everything between those two places. So 
again, it was recognizing who I was not because I couldn't be all of those things at one time. But it also gave him the opportunity to identify in me that I was learning from him. Got you. You know, Phil, even as I am listening to you talk, uh, it brings me back to those days. You were the person who, um, when I was breaking records, running the national street team, running the promotion department at Bad Boy, you saw something in me. Uh, we established a friendship first, and you saw something in me and said, look, I want to bring you on to the management team. And people don't realize that. Actually, this is probably the first time on this show that I've discussed that, but you were the person who, who said, okay, this guy is great at promotion and marketing. He's doing his thing. He can break records, but he's got something else. Let me bring him on to the management team. And I remember working alongside of you and then eventually you made me the tour manager and we spent years and years on the road. But I, I say this to you, and this is a question I asked James Cruz once before, who, who came after you and managed um, Puff. But I asked him, I said, you, you, and, I, and I know my answer when I, when I asked this question to you, but I asked James, I said, what is something that you can tell this audience about Puff that they can't read in a book? So I asked you the same question. You know Puff for many years, long before he became famous and after he became the person he became, you were right there guiding his career. You were the architect of putting the deal together with making the band, which really revolutionized uh, reality TV. You were the one who put together so many of those successful tours that I had the opportunity of being the road manager and tour manager of. But for somebody who didn't live during those era, during that era, because right now people can just look at Puff as, you know, he's the guy who owns the rock. He's a happy-go-lucky guy who changed his name to love, and he is the father of six kids. What is it about Puff that you can tell us that we can't read in a book? Um, well, the first thing is, um, it's really about all, a team all the time with Puff. So, you know, there, there are uh, things that all of us get credit for, but uh, there are people who may not get the credit um, that participated. And uh, Puff uh, is a kind, really good guy on the inside. But if you can't like be loyal enough long enough to see that, then there, there's no room for you in you know, his atmosphere. Uh, I have a saying that, you know, your talent will make room for you. Everything that you just described uh, about the successes of making the band or, uh, you know, Sean John or Unforgivable, all of those things had uh, an, uh, another very good friend of mine involved named Kenny Masilas, who was the lawyer. And I, you know, knew that he was the lawyer and that he's in charge of that. I, I'm not uh, the person that knows legalese or you know, uh, whatever that's supposed to be. Um, we brought a TV manager in for uh, making the band and um, those MTV deals. That I learned from as we uh, built the business and then created Bad Boy uh, Productions or Entertainment 
But Puff was like, yo, I got to have a TV manager. And I had to also have the mindset and the heart to know that I needed that because I'm not that. Um, and those things made our relationship work because I, I hustled enough to be around the atmosphere, but also could stay long enough until he saw like an unbelievable uh, need and, and me being a part of the team and really how good he is. He wants everybody around him to win. And people don't, you know, tell that part of the story in books and uh, documentaries and those types of things um, that they have going on. They just tell you the good parts, you know, but they don't, don't, they don't tell you the part that, you know, we had other team members that um, came in and out of, of his system that were very important. And he really um, became nicer to me and, and not even because he never was mean to me, but, you know, he became closer to me because he knew that I could understand when he felt like we needed other people on the team for us to have better success. And by the way, it didn't change my success in any way. I'm getting the same check I'm getting, even if I upgrade Sean, even if Kenny Masadas gets the legal fees, even if the TV guy gets his percentage, it didn't change what my relationship and my worth were going to be in the circle. And Puff has to identify that in you. Got you. He has to see that you're necessary, man. If not, you know, come on. Just in the time that we've known each other and in, in, in over 20 years, he, he might have had a thousand assistants. That's right. right. The turnover is great. But if there's a need, like, you know, Fonsworth Bentley, a lot of people remember him from television shows and things like that. But, but now he's successful in his own right and with his own career with, uh, you know, movie, television, or whatever, you know, things Working that Working hand with. in hand with Kanye West. Hand in hand with Kanye, even right now on Sunday service. And yep. so uh, you know, just as much as Puff is proud uh, of those people for um, succeeding, um, I am too. You are too. Um, and because we identify that in people, we're, we're having this conversation and somebody listening to it that might have knew us 20 years ago and they're saying like, no, I remember that, but they're not a part of it. And, and they have to remember that they, they can change that circumstance, though. So I want to segue a bit. I know you have um, since left working with Puff, and you've done some incredible things. Are there any deals? Because I look at you, and I think that you can give a master's class on relationships. I think you can give a master's class on connecting the dots, being able to identify the opportunities. These are things that for somebody like myself, when I look at you, I'm like, this guy's just gifted in these areas. Are there any deals that you have architect or helped to put together or connected the dots that stand out for you? Because we've talked about several in this interview already. But these are just things I know of. Are there any for you that you sit back and look over the course of your career and just say, you know, I'm so happy to have been a, a, a dot connector or somebody who really helped to get this deal done? Um, you know what, Sean? Uh, this, this is going to seem, um, I, I don't want it to seem uh, 
uh, egotistical or anything like that. But all things that I have participated in, uh, big and small, uh, continue to uh, give me joy because I'm able to uh, look back even now and as I try to work on things um, to take a piece from something else we might have did before or something that we're doing now. Um, but I think the, the thing I'm most proud of is maintaining relationship up and down. Uh, you know, like, so I'm no different, like we talked about earlier, than anybody else in having a uh, bumps in the road. But it's the hardest to, to be able to maintain relationship um, when you're low, right? So, and, but the, most of the time is because of you. You know, you hit a bump and you fall lower than you were. That's what happens with a bump. It goes up and you go down. Um, and you get to the point where you don't want to do what you normally did or you don't want to have the hustle or you may be embarrassed or afraid. Acknowledge it, deal with it, and move forward with the situation um, that is important. So, you know, it, uh, the thing that uh, I'm most happy about is still having a relationship with you, still having a relationship with Magic Johnson, still having a relationship with Ron Burkle, still having a relationship with Paul, you know, still having a relationship with people that I only manage for two or three months because we may not have the, you know, the same relationship. I was literally driving down the street today and a song, uh, uh, one of Biggie's songs came on uh, that featured the Junior Mafia. And I remember that, you know, I managed Little Kim for six months, you know, but um, even though like we didn't have the massive success that uh, I had with a puff or I had with, uh, you know, different artists, um, it was important to me that I still um, was a, a, a part of seeing Little Kim um, in a different way. Like what I saw in Kim, wasn't just the music. Right to this day, um, it was impressive to me that she maintained a relationship through her own hardships with um, Donatella Versace, with um, you know those people in fashion, um, uh, Mark Jacobs, for instance. Like when she was in prison, Mark Jacobs, she showed me letters that he wrote her, and you know. So I always, when I uh, tried to work with her to manage her, it was about getting her outside of even always worrying about new music and what people thought, you know, you have something that has made this fashion industry pay attention to you. Um, if we can figure that out, you're back on your road. I'm, I'm working with another client that right now that I can't uh, disclose, but you know, that person had a bump. And uh, you know, it's easy for me because I've had many bumps and come out of it, make, uh, drop me one, babe. Um, and I'm able to, um, really honestly be able to say, you can get over this. It, you're going to be cool because I've done it with several clients. I've done it several times in my life. And the gifts that come out of stuff are way bigger than the what you get from waddling in it. So it's more important to me that I still can pick up the phone and call uh, uh, those people that I even had bumped with because you don't never know what you got to plug in the next deal. You don't know what dot you gotta uh, connect and you, you your relationships are that glue. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, man, that um, 
God has gifted me with a platinum Rolodex. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Uh, And like I said, if you hit a bump, you know, today, as I sit here talking to you, man, in a beautiful, uh, you know, sunlit California kitchen, um, it is still some bumps that I'm thinking about, like, you know, how, you know, can I can I fix that one or make that one better? Because I don't want to leave here. I, you're not gonna make everybody happy, but I don't want to leave here not identifying uh, any varnishes in that platinum roller deck that I can't polish off. You gotta keep on. You gotta, no matter how bad you think it is, you got to keep on. No, you you really do. You know, it doesn't matter. And this is something that I hope our audience pay attention to. You keep stressing that point of you got to keep on. It doesn't matter what yesterday bought you. It really doesn't. Yesterday is yesterday. And every day that you wake up, you have to look at it as God has blessed me with a blank slate. Another day. It's, it's, It's clean. What I make of today becomes my new reality for tomorrow. And if people can- Yo, you better talk that talk, brother. That is the, one of the realest things that I've heard um, in a while, in a while. Every day is, is an opportunity for you to make uh, tomorrow's history. And uh, it's funny that you're saying that, right? Because 20 years ago, um, no, longer than that, 30 years ago, um, Lior Cohen used to always uh, pour into us like, yo, tomorrow you can write your last chapter. <laughs> you know, like, you know, don't let this be your last chapter. Tomorrow you can write it. You know, like you, his, his, his uh, teaching to us was like, yo, just, we got to get up tomorrow and do it. You know, we got to get up tomorrow and make it happen. And, you know, uh, he continues, you know, himself to do it, to reinvent himself from, Def Jam to Warner to his, you know, 300 Entertainment to, uh, you know, now, being YouTube. Where YouTube. Yeah, you know, and those of us who learned under the Def Jam days, we may have been successful. And um, I, this is an important point because we, we have mentioned the word success um, a lot of times. And when I talk about how good God has been to us, Prez, me and you, not only have I accomplished my dreams and my goals, God showed me and you that he given us things that we didn't even know to dream of. Them first days on, on uh, Manhattan Avenue and 124th with Dougie Fresh, 124th, I'm sorry, with Dougie Fresh. Nigga, I had never even heard of Miami. Never mind going to the south of France 10 or 12 times. Never mind uh, party in Ibiza and all of those things that we were blessed to be able to do. And people forget this part because of the relationship with Puff or LA or Magic or whoever that you worked your way up to get. We've done things that we didn't know to dream of doing. And I'm still happy with spending two weeks in Miami as my vacation. I don't have to never go to another country again because he's filled my cup that full with uh, blessings and being able to show you that if you trust in me, I will give you 
everything. And he's taught me some lessons sometimes that, you know, it ain't the girl that's next to me. It ain't the person or the client that I'm working for. It's me, Phil. And you'll have that no matter where you go. And I've continued to have it, although I uh, and continue to be grateful to um, those who have given me the opportunity, the um, L.A. Reeves, the Steve Bartles. Like, you know, I worked at Def Jam and Steve Bartles was like the uh, president in L.A. was the CEO or something like that. But my relationship with Bartles goes back to when you say you were the tour manager. I didn't even know to go do radio shows until Steve Bartles saw something in me and said, hey, Phil, you got Puff. He's the hottest thing on radio right now. And, you know, there's radio stations that will have him for Summer Jam if you want me to, uh, you know, help you with that. Absolutely. Ain't changing nothing I'm doing. So it wasn't just about him being my boss at Death Jam. I have... Uh, 10 years of, of history prior to Death Jam with him just per- showing me how to take advantage of another opportunity. So when I got to Death Jam, he knew I would be solid. You, you got to, can look, those are things, man, gems that I even, you know, you don't think of every day. So if I wasn't having this conversation with you, I wouldn't remember how much I love uh, Steve and, uh, and Sackheim and, you know, those guys who gave us opportunities to see the growth. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, Phil, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and you, you, you speak of the blessings. You have recently been blessed yourself. Uh, you know, I hear in the background, <laughs> <laughs> you entered another chapter in your life. Can you talk to me about fatherhood and what a blessing it has been and how has it changed you? How's it changed you? personally, and also as a businessman? Um, you know, uh, it, the funny part is that I thought for 50 years, 50, five, zero, that I didn't want children. I thought, because that's what I would say. And uh, again, I'm talking about my blessings and it's important to know that it really is true when they say, make a plan and God laughs. Because that's what I was thinking for 50 years, but he knew he had... Um, this little angel gem um, stored for me at 51 and when before I did. He knew it for the whole 50 years. Um, and then not only to have a child, but have it with um, the woman that um, I truly love and believe loves me um, and her to be such a special gift. I don't go anywhere um, and any race of people or uh or denomination or whatever, constantly like, yo, that is a blessing. She's so, uh, you know, intuitive. She's so cognitive. I mean, they use such big words. Um, and, you know, it's, it's amazing for me to see, hi, this little angel um, who just oh. woke up from her nap. Um, show him your shirt, show him your shirt. So. Hey, little Sophie. Um, and she will always be a New Yorker. She Her shirt says, show him, show him, New York. New York. <laughs> um, New York. But she's such a, 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 a blessing. And, but also the reason why, um, you know, life has changed and you're different. So now you're living for, for this person and this soul. Um, and, and look, you can't get no genuine love like that, man. 
Hi, Sophie. <laughs> you know, every day she wakes up uh, being excited and, uh, you know, cognitive that she wants to spend time with mommy and daddy or that, you know, if somebody comes up on her that's a stranger, it's like, this is my daddy. You know, like, you're going to protect me. You're going to keep me. And she's only two. Um, so it has been an amazing two years of my life to see that um, I'm living for somebody else. My job every day is, and people, you know, the press, you know how it is. They think that, you know, you're so successful and you're what? No. Now I got to fill that cup up again. I, I keep telling people I'm just topping off the bag for her. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, if the Lord allows my life not to change one iota right now, uh, I will be good. But that doesn't mean that she will be. So I have to make sure she's good when I'm gone. Because we, anybody that's probably listening to us right now, um, that is part of your normal audience, didn't start off with something. Correct. We all started off with zero. And I want to change that in, in my daughter's life and in the generation. Sean, you know, like when I first started talking to you about management, I had a, a dream that is uh, close to, uh, is that is that 60% of being fulfilled? And I was like, you know, I want to be able to find 10 guys that I can impart what I know in them that they can become millionaires. And if something ever happens to me, I can get 100,000 from each one of y'all and I'm back at a million and you still got a mill. You know, oh, 900,000, that's close enough to a mill. And, you know, I, I have that in a you. I have that in a Mike. I have that in um, a Mo. I have that in a um, um, Jason. You know, like I, I got dudes, man, that's VP at, at Google, that, uh, you know, CMOs at major companies where I, uh, they were interns and I influenced their lives the way that Puff influenced me because I'm passing it on. But at, tomorrow, if I called, you know, at, at least five guys, I can get 100,000. That's what's important. That's how my life has changed now. And I'm trying to uh, do things for her, but continue to, you know, look for the other five as I nourish the five I got, six I got rather. Um, but, but the point is that it changes your life. It's an unconditional love. It's like God, at least for their first, I don't know how it happens after three and four, but at least for these first three or four, it's like have him constantly showing me, I told you I'll be with you always. I'm just in the, in the, the form of this little child right now. Uh, and prior to that, uh, sometimes you know this because we, we have shared um, pets um, that sometimes he could speak to you through the pet. Like, you know, like you're like, wow. Like, not that he says anything, but something happened in that pet either jumps away or comes to your feet or comes to your, like, cuddle you. And you know that God is telling you, like, okay, that was the right thing to do, Sean. You know, or that was the right thing to do, Phil. Um, and that I'm never going to give. If you don't stop your relationship with um, God, and, and I um, no apologies to any atheists or people who don't believe in him, because he is the beginning of Christianity, Judaism, Muslims, Islam, whatever, all of us at believe in God. You may have a different messenger, but do not lose your connection from God. Do not, and, and, and when I don't, 
even in the days that I'm having bumps or I'm in between, I don't think that, uh, yeah, I maybe had a, a, a year or two, you know, without actually doing some, uh, you know, particular work with somebody, but I was still with him. So I was good. You know, it, it's one of those things that if you have to rely on somebody for your happiness, for your, you know, belief in success or, or whatever that is, then you in the wrong situation. I love that. Before we close this thing out, Phil, you know, two points I want to make. One is you spoke about Sophie and it really came comes down to next. By the way, that's my grandmother's that raised me's name was Sophie, the old school, S-O-P-H-I-E. Got you. I, I didn't realize that. But yeah, it comes down to next generation. And that is exactly why I do what I do. That's that's what this part of my life is about. Uh, I did not have access growing up in the streets of the South Bronx. I didn't have people who I could get on the phone or sit and have conversations like this and them just really pour into me because they've lived it. They've done extraordinary things. And the reason I started the Power Move Maker series was because there's somebody right now in the South Bronx, in middle, middle America, or in Harlem. in Harlem, just any any impoverished place that you can think of around the world that might not have direct access to a Phil Robinson. But through this vehicle, I'm able to pour into the next generation having deep in-depth conversations with people like yourself who are experienced and have wisdom. So I love that that you speak of the next generation. And well, my, I want to say something. Go ahead. Wait that. Um, it's important to speak of the next generation and uh, remember that we were the next generation to others. Like I'm never going to forget like the love man that in the last 10 years before he passed that Andre Harrell put in me. I mean, like we talked every like two or three days on like, you know, do this, do that. Like Andre helped me with something amazing. Unfortunately, I can't speak about it, but he changed the position of, we participated in changing the position of a lot of black Americans. Um, two years ago, you're familiar, um, but um, just those amazing things that you're not gonna ever get, you know, public credit for. Uh, he, you know, orchestrated that thing from the beginning. Like Phil, when you go in, do this, you know, do that. We're gonna, you know, old mob type, you know, uh, things of like secrecy is the most important thing. Like, and, you know, do it by yourself, this particular thing. Um, all of that stuff is great, but I'm working uh, with a client now that I'm so excited about what the future holds with for this person with music and uh, all around entertainment. But our real bond, even though I knew the person for 20 years, was Andre Harrell always telling me like, yo, homie is like one of us. He's beloved. He's believed in. He's one of my favorite cats. And so when me and the guy were able to sit down and break bread, we had Andre Harrell sitting there at the table, you know, basically still encouraging us with that. Like, yo, but don't, don't get too, you know, uh, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the right word and he wouldn't have said this, but I'll say it nicely for him. Don't get too commercial, <laughs> you know, keep it ghetto fabulous. Um, and, and so those things I now try to, you know, give back and, or he would like, yo, Phil, I forgot, man, I was supposed to have uh, lunch or this time or whatever with uh, Clarence Avon. I ain't gonna be able to make that meeting. I'm like, yo, Andre, we changing the world. He's like, yo, but I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for him. So I got to go have that. So he also identified with the, you know, generation uh, that, that instilled it in him. And, you know, he told me that if it wasn't for Clarence Avon, he wouldn't have had Motown. So mm -hmm. it was things that you really could grasp. And now it's easier to give them back because you know that Andre gave them to you. Don't take nothing from somebody if you're not willing to share it. Absolutely. Phil, you are, you know, through this interview, you, you are very forthcoming, whether intentional or unintentional. Very unintentional. My wife is over there like shaking her head like I can't even believe. You don't even know where I'm about to go. And tell Rocio I said hello. Hey, Rocio, uh, and tell her I said it with the C, not the Z. Um, the C, Rocio. <laughs> but you're very, you're very, you're very much front and center with your spirituality, with your relationship with God, with your connection with something that is greater than yourself. And I love that. I think it is so admirable, but I don't think enough people give credit to where credit is due. Yes, you're a hard worker. Yes, you 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 have gifts that that you have been able to bring to the world. But you know like I know, you can work as hard as you want, but if the man upstairs is not blessing you and you are not working in line with what he will have you do, nothing comes to fruition. So I love the fact that, you know, is this something that for you, you're intentional about? Is this something for you that for you, like, look, I've gained success, but I need anybody who hears my message to understand that it wasn't just me. Like, what, what is your motivation behind always mentioning your relationship with God? Um, be, uh, it, it's very important uh, that I even clarify a little piece that you just said. You said that it's very important that the man upstairs ain't blessing you, but he's not ever in a position not to be blessing you. What's happening is if you are blocking your blessings, not that he's not blessing you, he, he constantly wants to give them to us, but we block them. Woo! Hold on, Bill. Go, I love where you're going. I want you to elaborate on that. You know, like sometimes like people, most people, unfortunately, go to him at the end when stuff is already like totally messed up. When if you would went to him in the beginning, like, yo, God, how should I do this? How should I make this happen? Then you would have you still could have bumped, but you would have been OK because, you know, you're holding on to that rod, you know, that staff, that thing that he says he's going to be so you can get better. And even though I grew up that way. When my mom died, when I was, you know, in my teens, then my grandmother died. 
I actually kind of rebelled against him for a while, even though he was still allowing me to get these blessings, right? Um, and we don't look at a lot of things uh, where me and you was on tour, man, constantly for a while. But in my early days, I probably would have been homeless if I didn't have tour after tour after tour that God was just blessing me through Al Haman. Like, you know, Al Haman is a, a, a is the Oz. A lot of people have never seen him or, or known him. But I owe a lot of my success to him, even knowing that I was a knucklehead and he would tell me stuff like, yo, Phil, be more quiet or carry a bigger stick. And things that at that time, I didn't know to pay attention to. And now in the latter part of my life, I, I genuinely love him because God taught me the messages that he was giving me through him in those days were going to provide during today's success. So uh, rather than thinking that uh, he was doing something negative and thinking bad about it, it conditioned me. And then, you know, even though one thing we haven't talked about is that through these 20 years, I've uh, uh, dealt a lot with sickle cell and you were there. Like you, you took me to the hospital in cities we had never been to. Um, you you sat in the, the uh, waiting room and knew what was going on. But even then, God brought me through those things. Like he allowed me to have the relationship that were very necessary um, that, you know, make a difference uh, that you now have to speak on it because you're doing a disservice to yourself if you don't acknowledge God because you then are still blocking your blessings. You're still letting them get in the way because you then can't speak on him. So you're doing a disservice to yourself, but you're not honoring him by not giving the true uh, uh, account of, of where this success came from. I, again, I have more than I have could have dreamed for and things are still happening for me. But I know now that if, if I have a bump, I'm good because he brought me this far. And you begin to learn also that these things you've heard throughout the years, whether you went to church or you had an aunt that went to church or uncle or whatever, that they're true. They really work. Like not a work because God is just a, a, a real being in the sense of like, he's not going to carry you anywhere and, and not take care of you. Or he's not going to lead you to a place that you don't belong. And you know, you find those things. When I probably first got sentenced, I thought I didn't belong in prison. But the lessons that I learned while I was there, he allowed me to still understand that he wouldn't take me anywhere that he couldn't keep me. And, and you know, I, I got a blessing out of most of my bumps. And now, uh, literally, I'm, 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 I'm most importantly um, happy and healthy. Um, you know, um, and th those things are important because now I have to continue that. He's also, as you said, given me, you know, uh, that great uh, seed and that that daughter. And so now I have more to live for than myself. That's right. That's right. So, you know, uh, that's why I have to keep it, you know, first and foremost. And um, come on, man. People are dreaming that they could have had, a, you know, as many conversations as, as we had with Dre or that, you know, like Puff gave me over all of those years of success. Oh, even the three years that I spent with L.A. at Def Jam were learning years because I, I wasn't a record guy. I, I, I had that uh, knowledge uh, input by Spartos and by 
um, LA that allowed me that when I left to at least leave there with gems. And I got some good gems. I know what I, I did and I know what I delivered. So you, you, you have to just take those gems and be like, oh, okay, how I'm gonna make this uh, uh, work for me and be more successful than, than I ever dreamed. Well, I could tell you this, Phil, uh, you know, you did something that, you know, no guest has ever done. Before we hit the record button, you stopped the conversation and went into prayer. And it's interesting because there is never a time that I ever, ever, ever do an interview. There's never a time that I ever get in front of a camera that I don't stop, drop to my knees and go in prayer. And although it caught me off guard that you did it, it was ever so familiar because I know you personally. And I just think, you know, and I wanted to put that out there because this is not just something you're talking. This ain't just lip service for the conversation. This is who you are. And I love the fact that you are very bold about your relationship with God. But with that said, Phil, I, I can't thank you enough. This is one of those rare occasions. Um, in, in, in obviously the lighting is not great on my side. Um, the sun is, is setting. But it's one of those rare occasions that uh, we get to have a conversation on camera. I, I don't think we've ever had a conversation on camera. And I don't remember seeing you on camera that often. So I thank you for blessing us you know, with your knowledge, with your wisdom, with your willingness to just open up and share and, and really pour as many gems into our audience as humanly possible. I thank you from the bottom of my soul and you are a true power move maker. Thank you, Philly Rob. Thank you, Press. Um, and another thing I learned from Puff, no one enough has been said. Thank you. And let the church say, amen. There you go. Philly Rob, thanks for being here, my brother. Make power moves, people. Make power moves. What's up, guys? Thanks for sticking with me to the end of the video. Truly appreciate you. If you like anything you heard here today, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you know anybody that can benefit from this message, feel free to share. Peace and love.